Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Thank you for joining us for another discussion on Sabad Hajare Batsahi Dasbi. This is the fifth podcast episode in a series of 11, and I hope you've been following along with us. My name is Jocelyn Kaur. I'm a research associate here at Sikri, and I'm joined today by Harinder Singh, co-founder of the Sikh Research Institute and innovation director. Guru Fateh Harinder Singh, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Um, before we begin, as always, I will be playing uh, Harjinder Singh's recitation. Harjinder Singh is a research associate in Gurbani linguistics. And a note on his pronunciation. His pronunciation follows the most simple and non-discrete pattern meant for the masses. So Harjinder Singh will be pronouncing this the way that it is inscribed. Um, let's take a listen. Vaheguruji ka khalsa Vaheguruji ki fatah Surat Patsahi dasmi Prabju To kahalaj hamari Neel kanth narhari narayana नील बसन बनवारी रहाओ परम पुरुखु परमेश्वर स्वामी पावन पौन आहारी माधव महाज्योति मधुमर्दन मान मुकंद मुरारी निर्बिकार निर्जुर निंद्रा बिन निर्बिख नरक निवारी कृपा सिंधु काल त्रैदर्शी कुकृत प्रणासन कारी तनुरपान त्रित मान तराधर अनबेकार असितारी हाऊ मते मंद चरण शरणागति कर गहले हो उभारी वाहे गुरु जी का खालसा now that we've heard Harjinder Singh's recitation, I'll be reading the English translation and we'll get into the conversation. Surat Sovereign 10. O Divine, you protect my honor. You are Nilkant, Nadhar, Narayan, Nilbasan, and Banvadi. Pause, reflect. O Supreme Being, Supreme Divine, Owner, Auspicious, Air Consumer, Madhav, Great Light, Madh Killer, Mandata, Emancipator, Mur Killer, Vice Free, Age Free, Sleep Free, Poison Free, Hell Savior, Ocean of Compassion, Seer of Three Tenses, Destroyer of bad deeds. Bow wielder in hand, patience possessor, earth embracer, vice free, sword possessor. I of bad intellect take refuge in your feet. Hold my hand to save me. So, Harinder Singh, um, I wanted to just ask you in the very beginning if you could speak a little bit about this composition and how it differs from the ones we've spoken about so far. Um, there's a clear change in address uh, and a change in rag or musical mode. So if you could provide some context around that and also some sort of background information about sorat as a musical mode um, and the emotions it evokes, that would be really helpful. Sure. So this one is uh, in Rag Sorat, which is, you know, there's an area people associate this Rag with, you know, season, the score, but it really is about the moods and emotions mostly for most of us. And uh, those have this idea of there's a lot of powerful, strong belief sort of a thing being discussed here. So in this, in fact, this is one of the few Rags where um, within Guru Granth Sahib also, it's explicitly mentioned by three of the gurus. 
and that's good to know because that gives us framing. Uh, for example, when Guru Nanak Sam mentions this rag, he says, Sorat sada sohavni je sacha manhoi. Now, essentially, uh, the sorat will, will always be present, uh, pleasant if one seeks and praises the eternal. So this thing about praise of the eternal in sorat, and then Guru Ramdas Pasha also references when he says, Harnam Tadolle, if you are seeking and praising the Ikkovankar's Nam, Hari's Nam, then this will be a great rag. So I think this sort of a, a referencing for us is very, very important when we look at how Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj uh, as a 10th Pachai for us in the continuation of the 10 from Guru Nanak onward is presenting this. The, the context for this, which I want to talk about, is the word prab. Because prab gets invoked a lot uh, within the uh, South Asian context. We think it's only limited to religious things. It's not actually in Indian, Hindu, South Asian traditions. It gets invoked even for husbands. It gets invoked for people who own you. Earlier, you can say it was even sort of like a slave owners, but also people who own you because of the tribe issues, religious issues, or spiritual traditions. So what is this word prab? Essentially, it was, it's a word which is used for somebody, you know, the words we use are master, lord, ruler, or owner. Essentially, somebody who's very strong and capable in taking care of you. Or that's why they become your owner or your ruler or your master. Now, this word gets invoked primarily in religious traditions for um, gods and deities, you know. And sometimes it gets used, as I mentioned, even in theologies for chiefs or leaders in Hindu traditions. Essentially, the connotation it's giving is that somebody who is quote-unquote like a god, somebody we in our parlance would say in a, in a global sense, somebody who is more divine. So the what is being disrupted here is uh, Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj Sahib is going to take the idea of Prabhu and then invoke this in multiplicity of ways. As you were reading the translation, you notice basically there's so many nouns or compounded nouns. Um, and the, the idea of prab or the idea of divine or quote-unquote God is being disrupted here. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that stuck out to me the most when I was reading through the translation of this and the commentary, like just the listing of sort of names and attributes and the way that you dealt with them was to have so many compound words. And I think that it kind of does something to the rhythm, um, which is like, I don't know, it's something... It, I, it makes me very emotional to even read. So I'm really excited to kind of explore explore those different uh, sort of, yeah, word meanings and what they, what they bring to the sort of emotion, what's being invoked here. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about that first line um, where Guru Gobind Singh Sahib says, oh, divine, you protect my honor. And... This phrase, like protect my honor, has come a few times, at least in the in the Bonnies that we've been working on in the Guru Granth Sahib project. And this might feel like a silly question, but when I think of like protect my honor, I think of like some kind of like old school, like there's a kingdom and like somebody's honor is being threatened or like reputation is being threatened. And it feels like something that's a little bit far away from my context. And so I was wondering if you could explain like what in this context, in our relationship with Ikonkar, like what does it mean to say you protect my honor? Um, because I don't think that I fully understand that. I, I think you do. And let me paraphrase a little bit for today's context, because we use this word even today, large or lajja. You know, generally it is when it's being invoked today, it's, you know, this idea of modesty, shame, or honor, but mostly in the context of women. Yeah. And it creates a really complex scenario in today's scenario, I'm saying, because the sensitivity and the feelings of a woman uh, and her experience and course of her life are not being even looked at. Mm. So in that context, we are very familiar with this word, which is invoked culturally, traditionally, and to in a lot of South Asian tradition, in fact, in a lot of global traditions. Mm. We have reduced it now to a sort of women's religious and social status in the society and the underlying discriminations based on that, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why I was saying 
that even for husbands, the word Prabhu gets used in Indic traditions. So what does it mean in the context of, is the conversation we have, uh, her dignity and her self-respect, uh, and not to even mention the extreme discriminations and horrible practices like infanticide, dowry, exploitation, and all things of that nature. So what I'm saying is this very much in people's mind. Mm. Now let's, uh, let's uh, extrapolate it to what is it covering in the shower, right? So it is about honor. Honor is, seems like abstract, which is what you were saying, that because it involves maybe a perceived quality of worthiness and respectability. Mm. And that does affect our social standings. It affects our self-evaluation of evil uh, individual or groups or people, uh, groups of people or mm. groups of tribes or religions or cohorts, right? So individual is generally considered honorable based on their behaviors and characteristics and how, whether they're worthy of living or not. And in this context, then if you now apply it in the kingdom sense, you were saying, but now we can apply it to government sense that there are people who claim to be protecting your honor mm. or you seek protection from them. It goes both ways, right? So in this shabal, Guru Sahib is saying, okay, who are the people who the Indic culture invokes to protect your honor? Mm. Or who are you going to, to seek protection for your honor? Does that help? That helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And then, and then that, I guess that kind of gets into this next question of like, um, you know, all of these invocations in the Raha line. So you are Nilkant, Nadhar, Narayan, Nilbasan, and Banwadi. What are these invocations? I know that you've retained them as they are. Um, so I wanted to ask a two-parter, like, why have you retained them? Um, and what is the guru doing here, which I know is not a question we can definitively answer, but what are these invocations doing in your opinion? Guru Sahib is making it relatable for us and relatable to the masses. Remember his context, his journeys from Patna to Anandpur Sahib. Mm. And so that area, and in that area, I mean, I was born and partially raised in Jhansi. So I'm very familiar with all of these words. They are very popular words, even today. These are the ideas of Prabhu, the word which is in the first part of the Rao line, which Guru Gobind Singh uh, Maharaj is, is comparing this idea of Prabhu of what people think from Hindu traditions, or they're the gods or the Prabhus in that tradition. So I retain them because I think they're powerful words and there's a wordplay happening. In some cases, this is mythological. In other cases, as we continue in the Shabbas, it is being interpreted at a different level. So what is Nilkant? Nilkant is a very popular image of a Shiva. It refers to Shiva, blue-throated because he drank poison for protecting the honor of the people. Mm. That's how I'm going to connect that. Narhar is either sort of a, literally it's a Narseh, which is a man lion, and it's the Vishnu incarnation, who is also considered the yoga's god. Mm. Narayan is either Vishnu incarnation, Literally, Narayan is a water vehicle, you know, that Vishnu who is in a slow uh, yogic slumber is how I'm presenting that, because that's the context of the Narayan. But these all words have their particular meanings, which is what I'm describing, but they refer to particular entity. And then Guru Sahib is disrupting those entities. Neil Basan is somebody who wears blue clothes, blue dressed. Banwari is a grove dweller. Uh, in this case, the blue... And the grove dweller is referring to Krishna, who is also a Vishnu incarnate. Mm -hmm. So what's happening with all these is that my Prabhu is all of this and much more. And none of the ones you have reduced them to be a particular character mm -hmm. or a particular mythological figure, which means my Prabhu, Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj is saying this, that uh, is equated to all these deities you are used to and much more. And the attributes of my Prabhu are not limited to one or the other attribute of which texts, the Puranas, you know, the, the Simritis and people are identifying with. So this is very huge. Mm -hmm. The Prabhu of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, which comes a lot in Guru Granth Sahib as well, is a Prabhu which is beyond uh, the deities and mythological figures or the heroes and the sheroes who people are used to in their graphical arts as well as in their texts. Yeah, and I think that's, important because it gets at something we talked about in maybe the first or second podcast about this question of like 
when we're dealing with paradigms that already exist, um, how are we understanding invocations of things that are part of those paradigms? And I think that sometimes we maybe think like, well, this just means that like this paradigm is being endorsed. But what's happening is that there is a, similar to what we've seen in the earlier Shabbats, there is like a, a widening or something that is being made vaster um, so that the invocation of that paradigm is not the beginning and the end. It's actually the beginning of some kind of, um, yeah, some kind of uh, move to make things more vast um, or make our understandings more vast, I would say. Uh, so I think this, this also brings me to the next line <laughs> where it says, O Supreme Being, Supreme Divine, Owner, Auspicious, Air Consumer, Madhav, Great Light, Mud Killer, Mantata, Emancipator, Wood Killer. <laughs> like, these are more invocations. And I wanted to ask you about every single one, but um, I think maybe if you could explain the ones that feel less familiar to people, or if you, if you want to explain all of them, tie them all together. I'm particularly interested in sort of the, the second set of like mama words <laughs> that are repeated because in the earlier line, we have Nana repeating yeah. and then we have mama repeating. And I feel like that's something worth talking about. Um, in addition to air consumer, cause that really struck me. <laughs> so, right. so, and, and if you listen to them in Pai Balbir Singh's rendition, you will see how this alliteration really works, and which is what you are citing here. Uh, look, Madhav is uh, Madhav Mahajot Madhmardan Man Mukand Murari. That's the line you're referring to. And then we can get into about the Ponahar as well. So these are, who are these individuals? You know, Madhav is supreme being. Mahajot is this idea of great light. So who is my great light? You know, who is my sovereign? Who is Madhu Mardan? Madhu and Mur are two demons. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is actually referring to uh, people who have been dealt with by the guru in a particular way, but that particularity is founded in historical or mythological aspects of Hinduism. That's what's going on here. So for example, uh, Madh was a demon who was born out of earwax. Hmm. So when you say Madh Mardan, the one who was made out of earwax, he was killed. Hmm. Similarly, Mur is another demon, uh, and Mur Ari is the one who killed him, referring to, in a popular culture or mythological culture, it's referring to Krishna. But here it is being raised to that mind does all of these, not just one of this. Hmm. Similarly, the word Maan came here, right? Maan actually is a re reference to, there's an ancient king named Mandhata. Sometimes it's all, he's also listed as Mandhatra. The reason he's important is because he's a hero. He's a guy, you know, you think of these Greek gods and goddesses, it's like them. Mandhata or Maan is the one who captured earth in one day. Hmm. And he's an ancient king who's also referenced in Mahabharata epic. So, the names are very familiar. Mukand literally means the emancipator. Hmm. So again, what Guru Sahib is doing is that Madhav is not the Vishnu incarnate, which is Ramas and Krishnas or Guru Gopin Singh. Mahajot is not just a particular entity who carries that great spirit. Hmm. Madhu Mardan is not just the one who got killed by a particular one demon or Murar as another demon or Maan as another superhero or Mukand as emancipator. So Guru Sahib is saying, all of these are the emancipating forces in the prab for me. Mm. So that's why my divine, my Prabhu carries all these attributes because my Prabhu is eternal. My Prabhu is self-illumined and my Prabhu is beyond life and death. And Ponahar, which you asked, uh, asked me to dwell, Ponahar is a very big thing. Air consumer is literalism of that. It means, you know, there are entities in India, especially yogic entities. They say they live on nothing except air. Mm. Like, okay. My divine also lives on nothing except air, you know. So this idea is, so what? You know, the prab I believe, this is just infinitesimally small one quality, which otherwise has been made to be such a big thing. Uh, so I'm not going to follow the one who has become Ponahar on this earth or in your imagination or in your description, you know, because mythology could be one of those or some historical figures. But I'm following the prab 
who is real and carries all these qualities with him. And these qualities, these individuals, they're very, very popular entities, depending on which element or which region of India or which denomination of Hinduism you're following, they become the superhero for them or the god for them or Prabhu for them. Yeah, okay. So that, that also puts things in a new light because it's dealing with like another element of this paradigm. It's like, who are the sort of god men that you're dealing with? And who are the smaller gods you're dealing with? Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, it's like, it is like kind of the coolest way to engage in some kind of glorification, you know, because it's like, I'm praising the one who is vaster than all of these things in a way that people will understand. And mm. I'm urging them towards this, yeah, vaster understanding of, of Prabhu. I think that's really, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, Okay, so I did want to ask you about a couple a couple more things. Um, I think we have time. So I'm going to ask you about the line that says, vice-free, age-free, sleep-free, poison-free, hell-savior. So we know, I think we know what like vices are. <laughs> we know this idea of like being ageless. We know now what poison is because we've talked about that in previous discussions. And I think hell savior is also pretty self-explanatory, but I'm interested in what it means to be sleep free hmm. um, and what that is kind of getting at when we're talking about Ikunkad or when we're talking about this, yeah, the supreme being. Um, yeah. What does that mean? Well, so let's cover that line because right after sleep free, it also says hell savior. And I'm going to connect it to the previous question. Sleep free part is pretty easy. You know, it's Nindra Bim, which essentially means all the characters people are used to, whether imaginative, mythological, or historical, that's not our debate, and it's not Guru's debate. Mm -hmm. They're just references. Yeah. It's like, eventually, they do have to rest, right? Yeah. So Prabhu is they don't, they, that entity, the one, doesn't rest, which means okay. this one is never exhausted. Because who gets exhausted? Who needs rest? The mortal people. Hmm. The immortal doesn't. And the immortal is the prab, the ultimate prab, the Guru Gobind Singh Sahib's prab. So that's what sleep free means to me, that this one is continuously active in the creation, as we call it. Hmm. It's not needing a, to rest a particular day or a particular time as we do based on our capabilities. Some of us may only need to sleep six hours, some four. Some may say, I don't have to. But there is no such thing as no sleep for anyone, right? Hmm. Except the one. So that's one way to contextualize. And actually, let me also talk about, uh, th there is a phrase in here which says, uses the word nark. Now, obviously, people know what nark means is hell. So let me connect it to something, because there is a, there is a, there's a mythological ancient king hmm. called Narkasur. So there, it's a reference to that as well, you know? But the meaning is that the one who saves us from hell, but it's talking about in people's memory that there is an ancient king from Assam who was killed by Krishna and his name was Narkasur. Hmm. Uh, and Pranasan, it uses the word to completely destroy or eliminate. So this idea that a mythological reference is being used to show that how this is actually a divine attribute. And if you take all of these listings together, and this one has incredible listing, those listings have particular meanings in particular people's memory, but those memories are being transcended to the divine, which is the Prabhu of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. Hmm. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I also wonder if like, if sleep free has anything to do with like, when we talk about human beings being asleep, we talk about like being sort of unaware. Hmm. Is that also part of it? Maybe. Absolutely, because not just unaware in a sense of ignorance, but also that we will have the ability to make mistakes mm. because we are in sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So all these figures made mistakes, even if they were great from an archetype as we study in psychology, right? Yeah. Or we study them from a historical, you know, that's why they're called epics. Some mm. of the things, you know, there are lots of epical literature throughout the world. And some of these are coming from Indian epical literature, 
Mahabharatas and Puranas and you know Ramayans and things of that nature. Um, it's essentially saying, but they were not perfect beings because they do sleep, mm-hmm. and sleep. And uh, literally is what we I referred to earlier, and what you brought in is excellent point. It refers to that they are not perfect beings. Mm-hmm. There is an element of ignorance, and we see that that they might be excellent or may excel in a particular attribute or area, but by no means uh, they are ethically and eternally perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, and I think I think like the next line does something interesting because we're talking about like kind of the layered paradigm sort of like addressing of paradigms that's happening here. So it's not just God, men and smaller gods, but also like the ways that human beings conceive of their own um, sort of spirituality or connection to divinity. And so this line really struck me that says ocean of compassion, seer of three tenses, destroyer of bad deeds. Um, and I see all three of these things as being like in relation to each other because they're in the same line. <laughs> but like, I kind of understand this as a reference to like um, the karmic systems that people are working within, because we've talked about this so many times, like this sort of um, anxiety about our pasts and our presence and our futures. Like we are constantly worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, even if we maybe think we're not working within that system. So it's like, okay, what bad deeds did I do when? And what am I doing now? And what's going to happen to me in the future, given those things? Like we're constantly trying to come up with some sort of calculation. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I see this line as like, there is the one who's able to see all three of these tenses that we're constantly anxious about. And then who is compassionate. And then who is able to to destroy the deeds that we're worried about? Like that feels like a kind of multi-layered disruption. Um, So I wanted to ask you about like your thoughts on that line. So connect, and this is one of the reasons I titled it Divine Protector, because this is about protection. Prabhu is this larger idea of divine where you're seeking protection. This is why the referencing in mythology is coming from that angle as well. But very interesting thing here is that the first phrase of this line is Kripasind. And Kripasind is a very interesting phrase for me because generally, even today, I have seen this word, by the way, used for particular, uh, let's call it a godman in India. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to breathe me. You can Google it and you'll see how people are using this phrase even now, depending on where they are in their lives and what that school of thought is saying. Mm-hmm. But Kripasind actually is what? Kripa is compassion. And Sindh is, Sindh is ocean. So this ocean of virtues, who is it referring to? Believe it or not, it actually refers to not just the Vishnu characters, but I even read a reference on Puranas, and Puranas is where the Sanskrit literature pervading the ancient Hindu legends and religious ceremony comes in. They even have a Shiva Puran. In Shiva Puran, even Shiva is presented as being uh, a Shiva, uh, as a Kripa Sindh. So this is very interesting, which means that to Shiva, they are saying you are the uplifter of the distressed. You are the ocean of compassion, and you are the one who will save us from our miseries and distresses. So all these names which were mentioned in earlier lines, you know, those alliterations of na or n sound mm-hmm. and ma and m sounds, both of those are referring to particular deities or mytholo- mythological figures, as we we're saying. Mm-hmm. But when, as soon as you say Kripa Sin, they are also invoked as Kripasind. So the choice of phrases of Guru Sahib is sort of alluding to, at least to me, look, don't think uh, it's only the attribute and don't get reduced to those entities again. This virtue exists also in the one I'm referring to. Mm. Because people need that assurance. Mm -hmm. People need that protection again. So Kripasind is used for those deities, but Guru Sahib is using for the Prabhu, who is the protector, the divine protector for Guru Gobind Singh. Was yeah. there anything in particular you were looking for more on that? No, I, th- I think that's great. I'm just trying to, I'm like, this listing, um, I just wanted to say this one thing about the last line, because to me, I see the whole thing as like, 
I don't know, like I'm not a musicology person. I'm not like even a poetics person, but even in the translation, the first line invoking Prabhu and saying like, protect my honor. And then the kind of content within of like, here's all these listings, here's all these things being disrupted. And then it has this kind of very steady rhythm of invocation. And then the last line sort of disrupts that again and says, I of bad intellect, take refuge in your feet, hold my hand to save me. Which every time I read that line, I'm like, don't cry. <laughs> but like, it is so, um, it is doing something. <laughs> I'm not sure I can fully put it into words, but part of it to me is like, look at all of these, look at all of these things I'm invoking in reference to one, to the one. There's so many sort of ways to understand the one, so many ways that the one is above these like worldly things or these kind of smaller gods. And then the last line where it becomes first person sort of reflection, the only descriptor is I'm, I'm of bad intellect. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I guess I want to ask what bad intellect is for people who don't know. Um, but I just think that that is doing something like emotionally for me that I'm not fully able to articulate, but I wanted to voice appreciation for it. <laughs> sure. So let's take it in the context of the complete line, right? Yeah. Because what is mentioned just before that, these are what people are used to as being the agents of protection, let's call it, right? Yeah. There's a protectorate, you know, and what, who... So you need some weapons. Hmm. So bow wielder, mm -hmm. you know, that's what people are used to seeing. Sword possessor, right? Somebody who embraces the whole earth, which will include me. Somebody who has patience with somebody like me. Somebody who doesn't have vices like me. That's what's invoked. And after that, only one admission comes, I just can't understand any of this. I don't have the capability to understand this. So mm -hmm. it's an admission yeah. that your listing is so great. And how can actual word is mat man, you know, mandi, quote unquote bad, but it's not just bad. It means it is incomplete, it's ill, it is not conceived properly. All of those things are coming into play. Hmm. And it says, because there is no way for me to understand all these elements of Prabhu, which are vividly and colorfully seen in public life of people. And Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj is also witnessing all of this. He says, all I can say is there's, I don't have this capacity to understand everything about you. So I just, I'm seeking your protection, save me, free me. I take refuge in your feet, which essentially means I'm coming under your sanctuary. And remember the Prabhu is the protector. All of these people, many of them are running their own rules. Mm. So slightly connect to that. Under that rule, whose protection you see? The rulers. So this is why the uh, symbolism and word choices of not just the greatnesses and their capabilities, but also their ability to protect you, including with armaments. Mm. So it's not meditative protection only, yeah. if I may call it that, mm. because I think many a time we make them too esoteric. It is very much physical as well, mm. you know, and then the sword is invoked and the bow and arrow are invoked from that perspective as well. Yeah, and I think maybe you could talk, I know you talked about Prabhu in the beginning, but there is this aspect of Prabhu that we've talked about before where it's like, we had we had kind of likened it to like <clears throat> the, the sort of duty of like compassion or like it's not just this positional thing, it's that like inherent to that Prabhu is this kind of compassion that is like part of that, part of their kind of, I don't want to say job description, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like there is something that is being invoked when we talk about Prabhu that is actually much more intimate than we might realize because we think of Prabhu only as like positional. Um, but in relationship to creation, there is this like compassion that is inherent in that naming. Um, yes. So let's connect it even more directly with the word honor now. Mm. Now see it in that context because Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj invoked it himself. 
So who's protecting your honor? And even the referencing when it came that the particular God came on this earth, it's all about protecting the honor on this earth. Hmm. And this is where you and I are in trouble and we don't know who to go to help for, right? So if people are seeking that protection. Historically, we see this, even in the sick world, we saw that, hmm. you know, in the missile period, that they were helping this protection to other entities as well. Hmm. So, and I see this in the interiors of India and Punjab even, where people are looking for this protection hmm. from somebody who has a status in the community. Hmm. What Guru Gobind Singh Sahib is saying, look, you can keep looking to those people to keep you, treat you with honor and dignity and respect. And he uses the word honor, large. Mm. But really, my honor is with you. I don't have the capacity to understand you. But Prabhu, you have all these capability. And on top of that, you also are compassionate, always. Mm. This compassion, I'm not invoking. I'm just acknowledging and realizing it because a lot of those earthly authorities don't have that. <laughs> they actually are just um, treating you as a subject at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah? So in the context of honor, this is very, very big that only the Prabhu protects the honor. Mm. Everyone else, they may become instruments for us, but they are not the protectors. Mm. Prabhu is the protector of honor. Prabhu who's... Uh, Protectorate includes multiplicity of things. And in Sorat, this is powerful now, you see. And that's where the Sorat comes in. Mm. In fact, let me just mention the challenge I had in this one uh, was on how to look at this whole sort of uh, alliteration of mythological figures, mm -hmm. alliterations of Hindu epical figures uh, from Puranas and other places uh, and the, the various texts. So. Literal and figurative play, mythological character and divine attribute play. We got to get this right. And I think the deeper we understand some of those details of those individuals, we are able to understand how Guru is, obviously Guru is perfect, but in these poetic devices, as we call them to understand it, is utilizing all those popular things and disrupting them and raising them to the next level of consciousness, where he says, this is my Prabhu. That was that was tough to navigate mythology and uh, divine uh, attribute. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I because I even reading it, I was like, I don't even know where to begin <laughs> talking about this. Um, so one more thing which I want to mention is that you know, as a seeker, I'm interested in what flavors Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj is offering to us, and not get into this debate today, which has become very big whether Guru Gobind Singh is eulogizing particular gods or goddesses or whether Sikhi is part of Hinduism or vice versa and things of that nature are going on. This is not about that. This really is about feeling the rust, the sentiment, and even tasting it. And I was invoking Guru Arjan Sahib here because in Guru Granth Sahib, Guru Arjan Sahib says about Rag Sorat that Sorat Soras Pijiya Kabhu Nafika Hoi that those who sip the nectar of Sorat, the, the flavor never fades away from them. Hmm. So the, the reason I'm invoking this is the debates can continue. They were there. They will be there again. This is really what I'm trying to do is present as a seeker. We are having conversation as a seeker that unless we taste this flavor hmm. of Sorat, Pat Shahi Dasmi, where Guru Gobind Singh Sahib is presenting his divine, his sovereign, who I'm calling my sovereign, unless we taste that flavor, of what is happening with these colorful vocabularies of uh, uh, alliterations of Na and Maas and this mythological figures being uh, presented and then being transcended mm -hmm. for Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. Unless we taste those flavors, we will never be able to connect with the divine. Our, our hijar will continue, our separation will continue, and we will not have glimpses of union with the one. For that, let's taste a bit of uh, Sorat's uh, rendition of Bible. Veer Singh will help us on that. Yeah. And the verbiage, the words, the sabad to protect our honor will come from the Shabbat itself. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. I think um, for me personally, <laughs> I think I'm going to be thinking about this um, ocean of compassion quite a bit and this seer of three tenses quite a bit because I tend to be a 
stuck in the past kind of girl. <laughs> so I think that's something that I'll probably think a lot about and feel yeah, uh, a little bit about. Some of us are stuck in the past. Some are, some are projecting too much in the future. And what is being told to us is, and look at what we need to do in the present because the Prabhu of Guru Gobind Singh is operating in all three dimensions. Yeah, thank you. I, I found this very, very inspiring. I know I say that every time, but I do hope our listeners are also feeling similarly inspired by the conversation. Um, our next podcast will be on Sabbath 5. I hope you all join us again next time. And in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at jasleen.gore at sikri.org. Thank you, Harinder Singh. Thank you, Jasleen Kaur. Varji Khalsa, Varji For a deeper appreciation and connection with the Sabbath, we have added Bible Beer Sing's rendition. We hope you enjoy it. Oh,
Listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. <laughs> 